Stand clear. 100% wild podcast. So for all you listeners, hello and welcome to definitely not your favorite outdoor podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Drury Outdoors 100% scripted podcast. I mean, 100% wild podcast. Tim, it's not scripted. Stick to the script. Crap. Now they know. You're Tim Chelsvick. You're Matt Drury. We have Terry Drury on with us today. Yeah, for episode number 290. Look at us. Auspicious. We're in the home stretch, Terry. 10 more to 300. Episode 290. That's a lot of talking. You guys have really, really filled the world with bullshit. <laughs> well, listen. <laughs> Terry's coming out swinging. <laughs> You know, I love to talk, so <laughs> this is really the perfect platform for me. Yeah. Unedited, just go. 100% not scripted. So Terry's got a little bravado today because he's got something to brag about. Oh, you want to talk about your big deer. Well, well, well. <laughs> hey, you invited me. That's, that's right. <laughs> that's what he gets, I guess. Yeah, well, we know we know that the viewers... The viewer, the viewers and the listeners, that number goes up when Mark or Terry is on the podcast, and it really goes up when they're talking about a big deer they killed. So, well, so, so there's, this is selfish. There's an inverse relationship here. They love hearing about you and Mark's kills. They also love hearing about Matt and I's failures. <laughs> they hear about failures a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so together we make like a complete team. That's right. Yep. So Terry, I've heard this story already. I don't. I really it's just, <laughs> I don't care to hear it again. I'm going to tune out for the next <laughs> half hour. What are we doing? I don't care to tell <laughs> No, so we're working. Uh, I think Ben's working on your Deer Season 22 episode right now to, to talk about the double stickers buck. And he was saying that you had plenty of history leading into this year with that buck. So, I mean, you know, we, we always love shooting the breeze, but let's just jump right into it. I, I'd like to hear a little bit. The history part I didn't know a lot about. I mean, I knew you had him last year. You called him double stickers. He looked, you know, similar as far as having those double stickers off both his G2s. And did you see him last year? This deer, no. I don't recall having an encounter with this deer. Okay. I had an encounter with a different deer that dad didn't want me to shoot. So... <laughs> Two of them, actually. <laughs> so why don't you go, go rewind in time a little bit and, and kind of tell us a little bit about the history you had with this buck. He he was one that, you know, when they're three and a half, you really don't pay a lot of attention to him or we don't. You know, we know that he was – we had an encounter with him late season. Uh, he was a beautiful 10. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we look at him and you go, man, he'll blow into something perhaps if he if he makes it through the rifle seasons and he makes it – through EHD and all those other elements and the coyotes don't drag him down. Pretty good chance we may may get a look at him in the future. Well, then at age four, he did blossom into something pretty nice. And uh, I think Forrest took some DSLR pictures of him one evening when he was he was doe hunting uh, late season and, and double stickers at that time. He didn't have the name double stickers because he didn't have them on his G2 yet. But it was just a beautiful, beautiful deer. And we thought, you know what? We give him another year. He's really going to blow into something. So we did just that. We gave him another year. And we may have been killed out by that time. I know I know, Forrest was doe hunting. But this was when he was four and a half. And uh, then at five and a half, he did have the double stickers, thus the name. Mm-hmm. And we had just an absolute ton 
of trail camera photos of this deer uh, on a certain portion of the farm there. But to us, he looked a little bit spindly, like he wasn't real, real heavy yet. He had the frame, he had he had the time length, but he didn't have the mass that that we wanted. And we said, what? So we didn't even hunt him, if you can imagine that. And uh, we said, you know what, one more year and he may blow into something something to behold. And, and he did just that. But with that being said, there was a lot of other elements that went into into the harvest of this particular deer number one because of the logging operation that we did you know and all the intrusion with the equipment and people and saws and all that jazz while he was age five and a half or at the start of his age five and a half uh year because it that logging operation happened in the spring of that year that would have been uh 21 and and we were like you know what he's he went to another area of the farm a completely total different area and uh, but he was there a lot. I mean, we had a lot of daylight, you know, reconics pictures of him. And we kept thinking, you know what, <laughs> if he sticks around another year, uh, we're pretty good chance we're going to kill him right here where he's been daylighting. Mm -hmm. So we went through the effort to move a muddy blind in there and situate it just uh, exactly where we needed it and did a whole host of other things as far as, you know, fertilizing and liming the clover field that he was frequenting and velvet. And then hard horn, he was there a lot. And we got all set up to hunt him on that end of the farm. And then he never showed up there. He showed up <laughs> on the other end. So we were going, okay, now we got to adjust, adapt, and, and reevaluate everything. So uh, that was an area of the farm where we had soybeans planted, mm -hmm. went in there and uh, put electric fence up to make sure that we had a food source there. If we didn't kill him early season, hopefully we'd get a look at him late season. Uh, went in there and mowed some of the soybeans, planted winter bulbs, biologic winter bulbs, sugar beets, radishes, and last bite in that particular area, put the sc scrape trees in. So we had a bean field and then uh, lo and behold, we didn't get any rain. So yeah. the little bit of greenery that popped up uh, was, was good because they were on it, but man, oh man, it just looked awful. It looked like a ball field. You know, it was, it was dirt. It was just dry mm -hmm. dirt because we didn't get any rain. So pull the electric fence. And then because we didn't get any, uh, any rain or any fallen moisture, we, we go, okay, let's pull a blind in. So we took the Omega lift and the muddy blind, or well, yeah, it was a muddy on the Omega lift trailer and pulled it right into the bean field because they were on these green beans. He was in there in velvet. We had picture after picture of him, beautiful photos of him in velvet. And he loved those soybeans. So uh, we said, you know what, let's just pull a blind in the middle of the beans. And we did just that. So we had a tree stand set for a Southeast wind with two scrape trees in front of it, looking at the blind. Mm -hmm. And we had the blind facing, <laughs> looking at the tree stand for a Southwest. So we had two different wind directions. All he needed to do was just walk through that corridor. And, and literally after we pulled the blind in there, I think we got a picture of him like the next evening huh. and we were like, didn't oh my God, he, he, it didn't even, you know, it didn't phase him. And then we continued getting pictures of him walking between the tree stand and the blind. Mm. So we were like, okay, if we don't screw this up, there's a chance we may get a, may get a crack at him. So the, the evening that we sat in the tree stand and had him at 23 yards, he's walking as slow and as beautiful as you would ever want a six and a half year old deer to do. And uh, he gets to 23 and a half or 24 yards. And just as I decided to come to full draw, I was waiting for him to take another step or two mm -hmm. to make sure that he was either broad or quartering away and open up for me a little bit. 
And just as he did that, I elect to draw. He just, he catches, and I felt it. He catches one little bitty backdraft that he turns and he walks off. And I was so upset with myself for not shooting just a little bit sooner because he was dead. I mean, all I had to do was literally shoot him. He was right there. So it was a morel target standing. I want to interject real quick. We have tact cam footage of this view and it's not safe for television. <laughs> oh no. Is there language? It's explicit. <laughs> Even whispering, well, you can well, hear I apologize it. For that. <laughs> <laughs> Four sent it to me and I couldn't stop laughing. It's like, like I've heard that before. Like the dad from the Christmas story downstairs fighting with the oh, furnace. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, and I don't normally get frustrated like that, but that was a, a big gear, six and a half. We knew him too well. And I was just aggravated at me. It wasn't mm -hmm. everybody else. It yeah. wasn't nobody. Told. I was, I was pissed at me because I didn't shoot him soon enough. I waited, I waited, I waited. And in my hard headed mind, I was like, I'm going to wait until he gives me a perfect broadside or quartering away because I don't want to screw this up. And then, and he was coming slow as you will, just as beautiful as you can make it. And the wind was perfect until that one little bitty backdraft. And, and he, you even, you can even see his nostrils flare. And I, I was like, oh, dang it. And he just turned and walked off. You know, he didn't run. He wasn't boogered. He wasn't spooked. Hell, he went over and made a scrape, you know? And so I, I was aggravated. And, and then as luck would have it, we got a picture of him, I think the very next evening. And then we didn't go back in and hunt him. He daylighted there and got photos of him, something like five out of six nights or, or five out of seven nights right there in mm -hmm. front of the blind, between the blind and the tree stand. Tree stand was a south-southeast. The blind was a southwest. Well, we had a southwest wind coming. We hopped up in that blind. And then, as they say, the rest is history. He, he worked in like he was supposed to. Uh, he didn't go quite as slow because they had all that little bit of uh, biologic that, that did germinate. They had it all browsed down. So mm -hmm. when he got real close to us, he he kind of picked up his speed or picked up the pace. I had to stop him. And in my mind, he, he stopped, but in reality, he rolled forward just a little bit as I shot and I hit him back and, uh, uh, credit, credit and testimony, the 2.3 rage. I, I, I never, ever will ever stop shooting them as long as they make them. Uh, but it took the whole top of the liver out and all that. Mark called it the hep heptatic. Is that the hep hepatic? Hepatic. Mm -hmm. hepatic. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that was the artery that it took. He ran 80 yards, fell over dead. So, but he rolled just a little bit on me and uh, I didn't even know he did. I just, you know, I swore he, he was at a dead stop when I released, but anyway, it was a uh, rest of your eyes rolled back in your head for a moment there. <laughs> they were, they were, I was not letting him get out of there this time. There, he, he just wasn't getting, getting out there. So what's interesting, too, I was waiting till, I didn't shoot too early. I waited until he mm -hmm. got broadside and he did just that. He, he'd have walked right past us if I wouldn't have stopped him. He was, he was going, walking pretty going quickly. Biologic. He kept munching it. When he did get on it, man, he, he was like a vacuum sweeper eating every little shoot that was up, you know, all those, the greenery that was there. And we did have a little bit of rain that kept it, kept it going. So uh, testimony to biologic, to palatability, you know, in the drawing power. I mean, there wasn't much there. Uh, I mean, he was gobbling it up the little bit you had. So, yeah. And, and we, you know, we talk about green to green transfer all the time. Those guys that don't believe in it should really take note of it because here's a perfect example where we back the biologic up right against the soybeans. We actually mowed the beans and we rarely do that because it's so hard to grow them there, but mowed the beans, planted biologic. And when they 
turn, turn yellow or brown and defoliate, you have to have a green food source for them to go on to. And it was, it was just natural. It was perfect. And where he was already coming out every evening and going into the beans, he now came out and he walked into the biologic and it just, uh, you know, through the logging operation, we went back in there and did an extensive uh, cleanup and park-like looking thing. I had one of my uh, construction guys up there on a skid steer, Jerry, you know him, Matt, he's, he's a cracker jack on a, on an excavator and a skid steer, and he made it look like a park. Mm. Uh, everything that they had logged, we took all the tops and, and, and dozed them down into those ravines and made specific bedding areas for them. And then, and then everything else, we literally seeded every bit of it for us, seeded it, reseeded it and seeded it again. Mm. And then uh, we had all the rain in the spring and that all of that understory is over your head. It was just beautiful in there. And then we mowed a, mowed a trail for him to walk out into that food plot. And he started doing that and he walked it every evening, came out that little trail that we mowed right into the food plot. So it was food plot architecture and our logging uh, by design and, so, it, and it worked to a T and that, that rarely happens, but it did in this case. So when you logged that spring, you were a little... Um, on the negative side of what the results may be just because of the amount that kind of they tear up and destroy in order to, you know, it, it just, it's, you know, they kind of, for lack of a better Invasive. word, they rape your land for these trees. And, and, you know, you were very particular about it. And then you had the equipment and the know-how to go in and kind of clean it up. But knowing after the fact, just how much it changed that area as far as bedding looking back now does it change your mind on on you know that process it, it does matt and and i i'm the worst man about and marcus too about intrusion we're so reluctant to even walk through these spots the last thing we're going to do is pull skid steers and skidders and and loggers and it's just against our our core we just don't mm -hmm. do it we never have i mean you can't hardly make us walk through a piece of timber and uh, it was a, it was a bite your tongue bite you know it, I didn't want to do it but we did it and yes looking back now it was single best thing we did and the reason I did it is because we had such a drought several years ago and the trees didn't die that year but the following year I lost some gorgeous white oaks really really beautiful white oaks that were just dying and falling over and I couldn't stand to to watch them go to waste so we went in there and got you know did some select select harvest. We let everything stand that was 20 to 22 inches in diameter. We let all those beautiful white oaks stand. So I'd have a crop, an acorn crop and a mass crop for years to come. And we may at some point, 10, 15 years from now, we may log it again, but I, I doubt it. <laughs> but with that being said, it sure did make a difference. It yeah. made an absolute difference. Well, so we gave up that spring. You literally give up an entire year. When you go through that operation, mm -hmm. you're going to give it up. But boy, the following year, we were really looking forward to seeing what the results would be and uh, manicuring it like we did and seeding it and creating, you know, brush piles where we wanted them and bedding areas where we wanted them and to direct the traffic the way we wanted it to. You know, we these piles are, are situated where it literally funnels the deer towards the food plot. And we were real particular about that as well. And then going in there and forest seeding and reseeding and reseeding and liming some areas and fertilizing, it, it really does make a difference. For our friends in the South, when Terry says acorns, he's talking about acorns. Acorns. Just to clear it up. <clears throat> so that's why you say mass crop. Yes. It <laughs> covers it all. A few day period there where you talked about you were getting daylight pictures of double stickers walking kind of back and forth between the blind and the stand. That period, you don't have a cell camera down there, 
correct? Like that's a camera that you have right. to check. So you guys hadn't checked it. Grandma Lucy was in uh, hunting with you guys, you enforced, and you were ultra um, focused on trying to get her a buck there at your place. And so there was a stretch there where he's walking daylight, but you didn't know it, right? A hundred percent accurate. Yes. Yeah. After we kind of botched him up that evening, I felt like he did when, even though I knew he wasn't boogered because he walked off and he went over and he made a scrape, I was apprehensive about going back in there thinking, well, he, he's not going to come back, you know? And, and then when we did finally check the card, because we were absolutely focused on mom, that's all I cared about. I wanted to get her a deer. She wanted a buck last year and we weren't successful. I failed miserably. Loser. So she wanted one this year and we, and we got the job done. So I was happy, happier that, that she got one mm-hmm. than going to hunt that deer. That was kind of secondary to be quite honest. Yeah. Icing on the cake. The best part of her hunt was when she's in the blind and you're basically chastising her after she killed the deer. And then you, she told you to shut up. <laughs> Good. You just have to be patient as a deer hunter. You have to wait and be patient well, for the I, shot. Wasn't I? Yeah. you did. Well then shut up. <laughs> We were in the blind watching that and started rolling. I mean, in tears, laughing at at that. So much of her commentary you don't hear because we don't publish it all. But she's very impatient. And and she wants that deer in front of her to stand still now. She she don't want to wait. So after she killed her deer, I said, Mom, as a deer hunter, you just have to be patient. You have to wait. Uh She goes, well, I was patient, wasn't I? Oh yeah, you're really worse. Shut up, then. <laughs> I mean, it was great. <laughs> yeah, I had marks, and a lot of people picked up on it. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people. Good. Oh yeah, good. yeah. Their favorite part. She was, she was such a trooper, man. I, I kid you not. For eighty nine and a half, and having just had that knee replacement, a full knee replacement, her climbing the ladder to get into those blinds, uh, uh, simply amazing. I yeah. was behind her. Forrest was in front of her. So we tried to make sure she was safe the whole time, holding up to the, holding on to the handrail and all that stuff. But uh, it, it's incredible to me that she's able to navigate and, and do that at her age. And those and, aren't that easy uh, to I'll get up. What, huh? Those aren't that easy to get up. They're pretty much straight up and down. Yes, they're fairly steep. And and when she came in this year, Matt, you know, we had a, a little bit different loophole scope on there with a little bit different eye relief and had the HHA, you know, to dial and and this, that, and the other, but man, she was nails shooting this year, you know, and we did a lot of practice last year. We did a lot of practice this year, did it from elevated positions, did it from inside blinds. I made sure that she went through every scenario so it wouldn't be new to her when she, when she got in the blind and she was just absolutely lights out. It was, her shooting was impressive. And I knew if we could get a deer to stand still long enough that she'd kill it but she wanted it right now. She, she wanted that buck. Don't we all? And then, and then we had one the first evening we had one and he kind of squirted through and she was aggravated that he got through. And, and then he came back through the second time we didn't get him dead. And, and uh, he came so, back out the next the night, came onto the field the second night, a different field. And he was pretty. Yeah. And he did it again. He, he slipped, give us a slip. So he came in, he got to about 25, 28 yards, I think. And I was, I, I have to put my glasses on to see the HHA Uh-oh. numbers. Mm-hmm. Here we so go. I put my glasses on. I took my phone out. I turned the light on to make sure that I had the dial correct. And he, he saw us, he saw me up in the blind. And as soon as he saw that, he turned and he walked away. She goes, well, he saw your light. <laughs> I said, 
Oh, no kidding. <laughs> he goes, yes, no kidding. Here. So those were, that wasn't the exact words. There was some other language. <laughs> well, one of the we things had a lot of banter back I, and forth. I can, she was a delight. I, I thoroughly enjoy that. She's phenomenal. And what a proud moment for her to kill a deer at her age. You know, I just, I couldn't have been happier. Yeah. That was a highlight of my year. She's right a, there. a little celebrity at the uh, like assisted living. It's not assisted independent, living. It's independent, independent living, living yeah. area that she lives in. And uh, they now know that Lucille Drury hunts on TV and, you know, and she's famous. And we had overly, you know, dad and the guys had overly do uh, dog made up uh -huh. of last year's deer, wow. her doe awesome. and, and took it up there. And she got to like, Present it to the other old ladies, <laughs> you know, and they all loved They're it. All gummy that sausage. So she she's very much into the fame. <laughs> I think yeah. it's a highlight for well, her. I, yeah. You can't help but root for her. Like even my wife Beth, I, I told her I was like, "Hey, your girl Lucille killed." Because Beth and Lucille sat together at a Christmas dinner that we yeah, had a few, few years, years back, back, and they hit it off like mag just magnificently. <laughs> and now Beth is so invested in each of her hunting seasons, like, oh, how's she doing so far this year? I was like, well, here you go. Here we go. She's killing. And, and you know, I was thinking, because we did a time lapse of her going up the stairs, for someone, uh, for someone who's older, falling could be very, very serious. Like, uh, yeah. uh, obviously, falling for us is a big deal, but... If you're older and you fall, you that could be your last fall. Yeah, I mean, it could put you in, in bedridden. For, and so you just think about the stakes and the trust that she has for you, Terry, and for somehow for Forrest. But <laughs> the, the fact the fact that she's willing to do that to to go kill a deer, it's a bigger deal than I think people really recognize. He didn't give her an option. <laughs> it, it's funny that you say that, Tim, because before we started that ascent, I told Forrest, I said, just imagine her falling, you know, imagine that she's going to fall. So prepare yourself if she falls, because that's the last thing we could, we could deal with. I, I didn't want it and he, neither did he. So we were extra, extra careful about preparing yeah. if she fell, if she slipped, if she let go, we were going to be able to grab her and catch her and all that. So well, she only weighs about 90 pounds. She probably yeah, could have caught her in her arms like a baby. <laughs> but it's easy to your point, Matt, earlier, those ladders are semi-vertical and and the steps, the treads aren't very wide, so it's easy to to slip on one of those, and and uh, it would have been it would have been ugly. So I, I we were very careful making sure that he had her front of her feet, and I had her behind. Mm -hmm. So if she fell, we were prepared. I mean, if, you if just prepared as you can be. Never know. I mean, Scott, this was a keen trailer, so it wasn't the same type of steps, but he fell out last year coming out of the blind. I mean, it just, shit happens, and so that was for attention. We later <laughs> discussed. Yeah. yeah, and so you know, there's a uh, agile 35 year old that that had a misstep, mm -hmm. and his hands just didn't grab in the right spot. And you think of a you know, basically a 90 year old. It's just a lot different. There's they 100%, don't they don't yeah. have. I mean, grandma you know she had a knee replacement and what was it january so she rehabbed april. april she had it done in april april so rehab that i mean to come to, to be able to just do what she did i mean it was impressive much less mm -hmm. kill a deer so yeah. we're all very very proud of her she's had both knees replaced now yeah both the knees been replaced but she just had that done in april which is the remarkable part to yeah. me is to be able to bounce back that quickly and be able to navigate and it was a full knee, knee replacement it was and she never complained. She never moaned, groaned. She recovered right away. I, I just, it's inspiration for all. Well, yeah. if it's inspiration, maybe it's time for you to get your shoulder fixed. 
<laughs> it's funny you say that. I've been crying the blues, boy. It's oh. been ugly. I literally up all night every night. It's not good. So I'm gonna have to do something. You're gonna have to. Can't keep putting it off. So, Terry, I wanted to hop back to double stickers and your reaction after the shot because I I can relate to that when you take a shot and immediately because you know you, you expect like oh gosh he he just arrowed a really great deer, but you knew like ah, that wasn't the ideal shot placement and it was on your face and immediately immediately you were like ah. it, all all that work and then ah, it's it's not not exactly what you want so what was going through your mind there. Had the camera not been rolling, I'd have said something else. <laughs> it's never stopped <laughs> you before. And in my mind, to, to Matt's point a while ago, I, not, my eyes weren't rolled back. But when you get locked in at full draw, you're locked in. And in my mind, he was dead stopped. Mm -hmm. When in reality, he wasn't dead stopped. He rolled. He rolled forward just a little bit. So it ended up, you know, back. The shot did. Fortunately, it was perfect up and down, but it was back just a little bit. At what point did you know... He didn't stop. Did you review the footage? Did Forrest tell you? Yes. yes. Forrest said he never stopped. And I said, sure he did. He was, he did stop. And he goes, no, he didn't. You so dummy. <laughs> he paused. It was like a little pause. When I released the arrow, it was, you know, when I came to full draw, you know, I was stopped him obviously, but yeah. he, uh, he just didn't, he, he kept rolling and it wasn't fast. He came like he slowed. And in my mind, he was dead stopped he, or, as stopping and he didn't do it. So, yeah. Uh, but after that, we watched the footage and, and yeah, I was a little apprehensive because I, and I, in my mind, I go, okay, he's still going to die. Number one, because it's, it's in the, it's in the boiler room. It's yeah. liver area. It's a 2.3. He will die, but it's the effort that you have to, to go into to recover them is not always easy. Do you leave them overnight and so on and so forth? And then the rain started, you know, we're like, oh my God, that was the last thing we've been praying for rain all yeah, these weeks. Just not now. <laughs> just, all we wanted was just a shower to keep the food pots going. And the moment I shot him, it started raining. I was like, good. Not Lord. just a little bit. The footage is really cool looking at you have your recovery because there's kind of like a, of a, a fog kind of mm -hmm. coming through, you know, and it's pouring. Like it, it was really raining hard or looked like it was raining yeah. hard. And it was washing the blood away right away. Yes. And that's the last thing, you know, you don't want to lose your blood trail or your screw. So we, we started the recovery immediately. I was like, we got to go find this deer, right? You know, so we did. And God bless the, the good Lord's above uh, that, that the deer, it just took that two, three. And once again, the rage has saved me more times than not. The 2.3, I cannot say enough good things about that, that chisel and, uh, and how many deer we've recovered. Our success ratio has soared since we started shooting two, three expandables, I, I just can't say enough good things about no, it. But for took the whole top of the liver out, hit that artery and boom. Well, it just, uh, he died within maybe 80 yards from where I hit him, 75. And what's what's even more interesting in that scenario is that you're shooting around 48-ish pounds of draw weight, and that's a big cut to make out of a broadhead. And so you sacrifice a little bit of penetration for the, the laceration. But you got enough 100%. in there to to make it to make it work, hundred percent. And it, and it's great that you mentioned that, Tim, because I was apprehensive about sticking with that two three, and I'm shooting forty six or forty seven, mm. and it's and I I do have to get a shoulder fixed. I I literally, you know, cry every time I draw that thing. Yeah. It's it it hurts bad like a knife sticking right in the right here. So anyway, it, it's. Uh, so I was apprehensive and I, and I shot a doe or two with the two threes and I was like, okay, zipped right through them. Mm -hmm. So I felt comfortable enough at 
close range. Sure. I, I wasn't going to be taking a 40 yard shot or a 35 even. I, you know, it had to be 25 and in to uh, feel comfortable with it. But yes, I was apprehensive at first all summer, you know, trying to shoot and I couldn't shoot as much as I'd like to. And it was just a bad deal. It's, so, it's probably something we don't talk enough about. Uh, just the sheer, like when you end up with, with some type of shoulder condition or uh, I know Matt, you've dealt with elbow issues. I've dealt with elbow yeah. issues, just how depressing it can be to not be able to shoot your bow. Like you used to, like I, I, I was out in my backyard trying to practice for a Turkey season this past spring. And I was dealing with a shoulder issue and a buddy was out there with me and I started to come to full draw and it just felt like I was getting stabbed. Like I can't, I can't even get my bow to full draw. Yeah. And he's like, what's the big deal? And my world just kind of fell apart. I was like, you don't understand. I'm not a man. (laughs) (laughs) I was in a glass case of emotion. I couldn't, couldn't think straight. Uh, But, but it it screws with your head when you can't do what you used to be able to do. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And I'm sure when you know that there are 13 and 14 year old girls pulling more draw weight than you are. Yeah. It's kind of a slap in the face, but we've been pulling them for, you know, 40 years, I guess, pulling mm-hmm. a bow, yeah. you know, and you don't know how much damage you did pulling 70 and 72 pounds back in the day. You know, you pull those heavy draw weights back in the day uh, and you just, you know, all of a sudden it catches you, catches up. Every every little thing you did finally catches you when you get a little bit older. There's really no difference between us and Adam Wainwright. And <laughs> what in what ways? The athletic performance side mm. of things. Okay, that's a stretch. Too. The difference is he had his picks. <laughs> the <laughs> other difference is he made millions from his job. <laughs> There's still time yeah, for us. That's the difference. <laughs> it is the difference. Yeah. And he's tall. Well, yeah, his draw length is probably 33 inches. <laughs> I mean. You would think, yeah. You know. Oh, man. Yeah. Yep. So, Terry, what's next? Well, we're, we're – uh, we're, on some other deer. Uh, so we'll continue. Forrest followed it up. We killed between mom's deer and my deer and forest deer. We killed three bucks in four days. So we were slightly exhausted <laughs> by the time we did all this stuff and all that jazz that goes with them. And then we jumped in our vehicles and uh, headed out to another state and hunting. And I don't know, it just finally caught up with us today. Even though we weren't seeing much in the blind, both of us at one point had our heads down. We were sound asleep today. It was <laughs> You know, you hit a wall. We're hunting mornings now, like idiots. Typically in October this early, we go and hunt mornings. But the moon is still up and it's setting. This morning it set like at 11.15 or something. So when that moon's in the sky, I have a hard time not hunting. Mm -hmm. I truly do. What what I I think people don't give enough credit to, just the sheer – the amount of energy that goes into the mental alertness when you're in the stand or in the blind, just how much that takes it out of you. Well, and then as odd as that sounds sitting, sitting still is it's painful. I mean, if you do it for eight or 10 hours, Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but it's your, it's not easy. You're not moving. (laughs) Yeah. We're not designed to do that. Like, like you hear more and more studies about office chairs and you know, the couch being more dangerous than all the other things that we thought were dangerous in the past. Right. Right. So, well, good luck over there in Illinois. And then, uh, once Missouri gun season opens, you'll be back in Missouri. See, really it's a month. It's a whole month that you, Mm. that you're stuck in Illinois. No, we're, we're going to bounce back and forth. We did it once already. We already did the bounce. We went back. We were going to shoot some does, and we came back. We came back yesterday. Yeah, so 
we're bouncing back and forth trying to trying to uh, shoot does and was up there shooting interviews with Ben and and got that episode going and and proof mom's episode. I don't know when this one will air, but we all know that it's Mark's birthday today, so we want to say happy birthday to Mark. Yeah, this should air next week. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Wednesday. next Wednesday. But yeah, the well, October it'll be a belated happy birthday. October right? 13th. And hopefully he kills a big deer tonight. He's on one. So he killed one night four last. Yeah. Good one. Game hog. Yeah, we'll be talking about that uh that buck next week on the show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> sure. Mark, forget about it. We got it covered. <laughs> He'd love that. <laughs> Terry gave us his spin on your deer. <laughs> so what yeah, that big? I had, I had uh, mentioned to Mark. I said, "Man, it's amazing. He he got me by five eighths of an inch on this total score." I was, That's I what she said. <laughs> <laughs> it's been like that, Tim. Since the test of time, if I kill a 170, he kills a 175. If I kill a 180, he kills a 185. The one it's big deer big. I killed in my life, I like it was that day. Yes, he killed I remember. a yep. bigger deer. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I, I'll never forget it because Brandon Jennings said, Oh, well, your time it was like an hour, 15 minutes. You're up whatever. on the news feed for a little bit in deer cast. Yeah, he's like, Oh, your time, your 15 minutes is over, Matt. <laughs> Back story, to the, the story bottom of, of your the life. Feed. That's right. Oh, was that the year you? killed gnarly yeah yeah so yeah you know it's probably not gonna change no 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 i'm something you live with gonna go hunt the lease here in a little bit and see if i could see anything in daylight (laughs) but you know we did establish that you still got your personality ah so thanks tim (laughs) Mm. why is terry laughing (laughs) well uh this week's real wild clip is loaded with violence oh Terry, I don't know if you got time to stick around for a little violence that didn't didn't air last week that we tried to air. Oh, you know what? This this is this is not the violence one. This is the subterranean deer one that I did not see. Yeah, we tried to show last week. Okay, all right. So here we go. The real wild clip of the week. This was sent to us by our good friend Tucker Corey. All right. So we're looking at is it like a duck blind? I heard about this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a pit in a field. And there's you see the tips of antlers down there in the pit, and some guys kind of looking down in there. Looks like a union job, kind of. <laughs> no, there's not. You got a lot guy of guys standing, standing around. around. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> not, don't give us any hate mail for that no, comment. They know. It's just they a joke. <laughs> and this guy's grabbing the deer. The two guys are grabbing the deer by its main beams and ho- trying to hoist it out. But they also they got a winch. Oh, oh they got a cable around its rack, and so they're kind of winching and hoisting at the same time. That's dangerous. And right there, the main guy he unhooks it, and they pull it the rest Smart. of the way out, and the deer goes Smart. running. I mean, crazy. Wow. And you don't know, man. You could easily get gored right there. <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, just the presence of mind those guys had to unhitch it from the winch as they're pulling it up because you don't want a buck in the field attached by the winch cable. You don't hear. There's audio that it's it's not on this version, but there's audio with it. And I think the person that maybe a maybe a girl. Uh, maybe a wife or somebody, girlfriend was filming this and she's like, Oh, unhook, unhook, unhook. So she, uh. she reminded him right before he did that. But yeah, man, I'm sure everybody was pooping their pants. On <laughs> yeah. One. You got to keep your head on a swivel in a situation like that. That's nuts. And you just wonder what's going through that deer's mind. This is not the day I had planned. What are these union guys? <laughs> <laughs> and there are those goes. guys for doing that. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. 
Yeah. Several people I've, I've seen comment like, yeah, did nobody have a tag? It's like, well, you don't really want to kill one that way. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like almost literally shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah. No, what you huh. would like to do is thank them personally and just oh, tell, yeah. tell them thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. That they did that. Group of buddies out there and I'm sure they're going to whack some ducks later on this year there. Spoken like a true waterfowler, Matt. <laughs> I've never been, Tim. <laughs> I, I can tell. <laughs> what would you say? I don't know. Shoot some ducks. Okay. I'm not a true waterfowler either. You're so. a poser. Uh, well, pretty much in a lot of aspects of my life. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Writer, podcaster. Podcaster. <laughs> general hunter. <laughs> you call me General Sausage. Father, husband. <laughs> We're both f- in the same he's boat. He's a fraud. <laughs> he's a the season of resentment is here. <laughs> I don't know if you're in it yet, but I sure am. I love hearing everyone's <laughs> stories about killing deer. Yeah. <laughs> Just I'm over it already. It's funny when Tim and I talked. He said he, he had one on camera and he put it to bed. And I saw the chances of him walking out the door went in are slim and slimmer. Well, only in, only in Mark's world do they do that, where they go to bed and then they walk back out. Yeah. I, you're exactly right. We had one in Marthasville the other day that did that, and I couldn't go hunting, so I sent Scott in and Ben to – I'm like, hey, this thing, it was like as late as they go to bed there. And I'm like, we're right off the bedroom here. Go, like, go try it. And it was 10 p.m. that night when that deer walked back out. <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. We had him on camera. I go, well, he did walk back out there just three hours too late. So technically. <laughs> technically, I was right. Yes. So, but it is amazing, man. They get those deer. They they always say, like, hunting there for that last week, it was like, yeah, we put them to bed or we looked at the reports. We put one to bed. And so they send, you know, a crew out to see if they come back out. And sure enough, most of the time they come back out. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing I got going in my scenario is it's a cattle ranch. So probably the field's going to be filled with Angus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the other problem I mentioned it a while ago, like the moon with Terry is, you know, we we're talking about the moon, you know, it's, it's setting here in the morning. So, there's a good chance that deer just won't get walking within daylight. He went to bed late because he was still up late, right? Yeah. Yep. So I will I will say this though, and we've always said this: the temperature trumps moon, and we've got some cool temps coming today. So you know you can't just go, well, heck, the moon's wrong, so I'm not going to go because the temperatures do prevail, and and they're going to go to food, you know. So once those does start feeding heavily with the cooler weather those bucks are looking there's going to be a few that pop here in the middle of october there always are so it's it's starting to happen we're starting to see a little bit more uh rut looking activity it's just not not what you expect yet mm-hmm. I, I don't know it just seems like we're a little late with it this year i'm seeing moon was early i know that I, I don't particularly like the moon being full as early as it was in october i really don't because it don't line up with their normal that normal rut activity i'm starting to see on the leases that the home ranges are starting to expand on the mature bucks and they're starting the circles are getting bigger and bigger and bigger where they're showing up so scrapes they're hitting the scrapes really well and you know it's it's always an interesting time of year because i start getting better pictures because you know if you got a camera on a scrape all of a sudden you can see what that deer that was 40 yards or 30 yards you get to see Mm -hmm. him at 10 yards or five yards and Mm -hmm. get a good uh, judgment of what he looks like but yeah yeah, they Matt, to your point, for those that have cameras and they don't have them on scrapes, now's a really good time to transition those and get them on scrapes or build your own scrape 
Uh, if you know they're coming in and out of a trail or something, go ahead and expand that scrape, make it big where they can, a lot of it's visual with a whitetail and a lot of people forget that, but you know, and the other thing we do, we'll go down and we'll cut all those limbs where they're, you know, making multiple scrapes, we'll cut them all and just leave one big one there for them to scrape. So now's a good time to transition them. And, and if you have to build your own, build it and uh, pull limb down or something if, if need be, but it's much better pictures to your point than those distant pictures where you're trying to zoom in and, and you HD it to figure out who it is and how big he is. And all of a sudden now they're posing for you right in front of us. Yeah. Terry, when you're manipulating a, a scrape tree like that, you know, maybe trying to bend a branch so it hangs down a little more towards their level. Are you, are you concerned about human scent and are you wearing gloves? What's your, your protocol there? Yeah, I, I always wear gloves just because, and I always have, but uh, a lot, oftentimes, we'll, because we do so many scrape trees that we plant, Tim, mm -hmm. and we pick uh, shingle oak, which are readily available where we're at there, indigenous to the area, because they they hold their leaves almost all winter, even into the next spring, they'll have they'll have leaves on them. And and I'll pick one that has a lot of limbs, and I'll cut off all the limbs except the limbs I want them so that they're either broadside or quartering away gotcha. when they come into it. You know, I literally take, get rid of the limbs that I don't want. And I keep the limbs that, that I do want to make sure that he's either broad or quartering when, when he comes into it. Okay. And we've killed a few deer over them, you know, not, they're not, they're not magic that, you know, they're not going to work every day, but boy, at night, you know, when they are coming or after they get their bellies full, mm -hmm. a lot of times they'll feed first, then they'll, you know, then they'll go, oh, you know what, I think I'm going to go work a scrape. And then all of a sudden they go over there and they do their, do their ditty. It's fun to watch when it's a scrape tree that you've planted. It's a, it's a riot. And, and then the pictures you get at night are just ridiculous. We, and we put two, we don't do one. Typically we'll do two so that if we don't get him at this tree and he walks to the next tree, you know, we've, we've got a yeah. broadside there in front of the tree stand. I, Mark has unbelievable success in daylight with those, but we do, do not have much luck at the least. Like Scott's putting out, two right now actually and then we're going to hunt this afternoon when i get out there but we just don't have much luck with it and i don't know what we're doing wrong if the trees that we've tried every kind of tree that you guys have recommended and it just i don't know they will not hit them i don't know what we're doing wrong some of that is buck to doe ratio you know where they're they're just not maybe inclined to do as much scraping as much rubbing and as much it's, you know, there's just so many does and, and that area where you're at there, Matt, it's, it's a little odd anyway, because of the amount of intrusion that you're, that you're hunting in and around. If it's, I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. <laughs> that's a tough, that's a tough gig right there. I, I'll admit you get pictures, but everything's nocturnal. It's so hard. Glutton for punishment, Terry. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I couldn't do it. I literally could not hunt there. Mark told me that too, when we were in Iowa, he was listening to Scott and I like game plan and stuff. He's like, I don't know why you guys hunt there. I'm like, well, cause there's not many options, options. Mark. Yeah. It's like, what are you going to do? I like to see my family at night. <laughs> so yeah, I had mountain bikers riding behind me on, in, in my stand <laughs> on my, on my, uh, my sit Saturday morning. <laughs> And brutal it just hikers the way it is bikers. yeah you you stupid you trail with, runners yeah a bunch of stuff <laughs> like people get, like you get a bike <laughs> well we, we, we were talking about moon phase earlier and our question of the day this week it relates to the moon well how about that all right the question of the day is probably brought to you by mossy oak properties find your new favorite place with a certified mossy oak properties land specialist all right chris Hey guys, 
I'm wondering what the uh, lunar eclipse on November 7th and 8th, when it's full moon, how that's going to affect uh, mostly buck movement during the rut. Thanks. I Figured think you. that'd be a great question for the lunar tick himself, Mr. Terry Drury. What I actually think? thought the full was a little later than that this year. I thought it was the 9th or 10th, but I could be, I could be mistaken. We don't know what hemisphere he's in. I think it's going to be absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you know, those states like... Well, Missouri, for example, I think our, our best week is usually that first week in November, first 10 days of November mm -hmm. on morning movement uh, when it waxes full and typically five days prior to waxing full, five days after it waxes full, they should, you should see buck parade uh, at its very finest if the weather, weather permitting, that's provided it doesn't warm up. Illinois, same way, their firearm season kicks in there, I think around the 20th of, of uh, November. And, and those big boys over there start rolling usually the week prior to. I think it's going to be really, really good this year again in, uh, in Illinois for, for archery season. So I think, you, I think you'll see a lot of states that, that capitalize early. The first 10 days of November this year are going to be really, really good. As long as it's the is, cool. Is, uh, yeah. cool. Yeah. So I looked it up. It's, there are two things about it. It is Tuesday, November 8th. But it's it is the, the full beaver moon. Mm. Yeah, it's the beaver moon. That's correct. We just had the hunter's moon in October. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Listen, I'm a child. I think it's funny. That's called yeah. the beaver moon. Huh. <laughs> All right, moving on. All right. Well, Chris, get a hold of us via the Rack Pack, and we'll send you a podcast hat for submitting a question of the day. And you can do that if you'd like to be relatively famous and be on the show by just clicking the link in the show notes. Leave us a quick and pithy question, and we'll do our best to answer it on the air. Did he say what state he was from? Sounded like he was Wisconsin. Somewhere up north there. <laughs> north, north Dakota. But he did not say. Okay. I was just wondering when their firearm season may open. <clears throat> I do not know. Okay. All right. Moving along. Let's go into the wildlife word. Woo! It's brought to you by DeerCast Waypoints. Map out your best season yet with a Waypoint library. It's built specifically for the whitetail hunter. Not a lot of fluff. It's just what you need. No. There's no weird. I saw a beaver here. There's no beaver <laughs> waypoint. All right. Okay. Lay off the beaver verbiage. Talking about deer hearing. Deer hearing is most sensitive in the 4 kilohertz to 8 kilohertz range, which also matches a the frequency range of their vocalizations, B, the frequency range of failure, C, the frequency range of vehicle-mounted deer whistles. I typically relate failure with a stench. <laughs> Not Strong, hearing. familiar stench yeah, of is. failure. Yeah. Terry, what do you... you got to say A, that was the only option that really, <laughs> really fit the question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, I too shall go with A. Yeah, tough one. But yeah, they hear in the best range that they also talk to each other. Hey, Tim. What was that range again, Tim? Four kilohertz to eight kilohertz. Where is that in relation to human hearing? It There's actually an overlap. Humans are, I don't remember, I think humans were a little on the higher range, but there's a lot of overlap. And this is just in kind of their optimal hearing range. Deer can hear at a higher frequency than people hey, can. You. <laughs> Why aren't you shouting at him? 
<laughs> but they say like so I, I was I was reading a study that was done I don't remember who did it but they were kind of they, they actually sedated deer and put them in these sensory deprivation boxes and they they checked their the auditory nerve to see when it was firing based on hmm. this the frequency of sounds because they were trying to test out like do deer whistles on cars actually work? I'm sure the insurance industry was kind of interested in this and and the old insurance industry. Here we go here again. Here we go again. <laughs> Let's go deep on this. <laughs> but uh, but but really, what they found was that most most of those car mounted deer whistles just don't produce a high enough a high enough frequency. If you drive loud, fast enough, they will. <laughs> right. If you, if you approach the speed of sound, then they'll hear you coming. You just can't pass it. <laughs> You supersede well, the speed of sound. If you think about it, if you spend any time in the timber at all and you hear either a, a doe or a fawn bleat or something, how how low those are, you know, you can, they're almost inaudible to a human, but boy, they hear them immediately and instantly. It's it's pretty interesting and intriguing. And even a buck grunt, you know, you have to, it has to be very, very still throughout the day with, you know, no wind noise, no leaves rustling and what have you to hear a buck grunting. And when you do, you know, when you key in on it, you can hear it obviously pretty easily, mm -hmm. but you know, the first one you go, what was that? Was that a buck run I just heard? And then fortunately we're two people. So the other one either verifies or goes, no, you're hearing things one or the other, but oftentimes one of us will hear it and then key the other one in and go, did you hear that? It was a buck run. Well, and there, it's always low. It's a very, very low, low sound. It's not, you know, really, really up there. Scott has heard some easily. low frequency sounds when you guys hunt together, but <laughs> it's ne there's never a buck in the area for some reason. Look, I, I wondered this about bucks and, and like when you're actually trying a grunt on a grunt tube versus how they sound, you know, or even a snort wheeze, like, you know, if you hear one in the woods or if they're right in front of you, it's like, oh man, that's really not very loud. But when you're doing it, <laughs> oh, I'm blowing and going, man. Like, <laughs> like, so you wonder like, are you, are you doing it right? If you're, you're trying to make it so something hears you obviously, but are you overdoing it? The way to answer that is to say, do they come every single time you blow your, your grunt call? No, Terry. In fact, I rarely have it work. <laughs> you just answered your own question. I see. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if they kind of like put a mental pin, like, okay, I heard, because I had an there's experience last, <laughs> right, there's someone doesn't know what they're doing. That's back. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard a, a, a pair of bucks lock up on a cedar ridge up above where I was hunting last year, and I hit the the grunt call and it was probably 40 minutes later this deer eventually made his way down to me and I, so it wasn't immediate so i can't draw an immediate correlation but i wondered like did he kind of mentally clock that and say all right eventually i'm going to make my way down there i don't know it's unprovable terry what do you say i i don't think it's uncommon for them to take their time particularly if they're not the dominant buck in that area you know, they're not going to just go rushing in there and go, I'm going to go in there and get my ass kicked. They're going to take their time and they're looking. Number one, they can't see the fight, you know, it, or, or whether you did a, a buck run or a or you're rattling. They're, they're going to see who it is and then they're going to go downwind and find out and try and make positive identification when they get downwind. But unless it's a, a really, really, and everyone's got a different personality. Some of them are a little more mm -hmm. apprehensive. Some yeah. of them are very aggressive. And, and you catch them on the right day when they're already on their feet. That I think that's extremely important. Trying to get one out of his bed is a little tougher than when they're on their feet already. Sure. So making a visual, you know, on a, on a whitetail 
makes it a little bit easier, particularly if the wind is blowing from them to you, then you can grunt your tail off or rattle to your heart's content, provided they can't see you. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, if, if he took his time getting there, I don't think that's unusual at all. Yeah. Not in a hurry to die. There you go. Okay. We got some shout outs. And our buddy Bambi Slayer, 1999, gave us five stars on Apple Podcasts. I'd like to meet this guy. He says, great podcast. Thanks for all the hard work and great information. Send him a hat. Well, we don't know his address, Terry. I see. (laughs) Bambi Slayer, if you're out there listening, get a hold of us via the Rack Pack. Terry says you deserve a hat. You'll get Terry's Matthews hat. Okay. Okay. All right, so got a nice hat he could send him. Oh yeah, I got a bunch of hats. Huh? Where could one procure one of these hats? Juryoutdoors.com, Tim. Hmm. <laughs> They're for sale, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy one of those for myself. <laughs> yeah. So this one I'm wearing is a new one. Sweet. That's right. I like it. Yeah. Sharp. It's. Uh, we were talking about it earlier because Tim's like, "Oh, nice hat. Wish I had one." And Alan had one that. that I said, here, here's the one I meant for you, Tim. (laughs) Alan, you thief. And then we talked about how it could be our going out hat. Yeah. Because it's not not together, but (laughs) like all of our hats are all black and gray. Every single hat. Yeah. Tactical. So we're like, yeah, here's a gray one. (laughs) Well, Sunday go to meeting hat. Light gray and white. Yeah. Yeah. We can't go full white. Yeah. It's after Labor Day. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So. Here are the newest. He's already he's looking out the distance. Like, can well, I, I get- see? There's a farmer out here working this field, and we just think it just got rain, but I guess it's drying up to work it, huh, boys? Yeah, you it didn't get be- enough rain. All right, so here's the newest dangerous. rack pack members, Terry. I know you're dying to hear about them. I am. <clears throat> All right, we have Kyle Vorwald, Devin Gates, Rusty Shackelford. That's the fake name. Mm-hmm. I already know it. Anthony Bandy, Mike Verone, ah, I knew him in college. Robert Wagner, Nick Freeze, not related to David, I'm sure, the St. Louis hometown hero. And Daniel McLaughlin, not to be confused with Dan McLaughlin of Cardinal mm-hmm. fame. Or to be confused with someone from the, McLauf- the McLaughlin group. You butchered that. Sorry, Daniel. So I think Rusty Shackelford is the fake name. You think, right. Or it could be Anthony Bandy. Yeah. Probably Rusty. Or Robert Wagner. Isn't that an actor? (laughs) He's dead. Well, Well, there's a freaking lookalike on Facebook stealing his name. Okay. Burt Reynolds, number one (laughs) podcast fan. (laughs) I think he did. All right. Well, Wagner was on Heart to Heart, wasn't he, Tim? <laughs> he knew it was uh, an old game, show, and that only a game you show? could name this. Was that a game show? Heart to heart? No. No, it was like a. They were a couple, and they were like detectives or something. Yeah. Huh. Oh, could be. Robert Wagner didn't he kill his wife allegedly? Allegedly, that's the rumor. Yeah. I mean, who hasn't been accused of something like that before? <laughs> at least thought about it. <laughs> well, he, those in a glass house, right? <laughs> Well, we're going to say something incriminating pretty quick. Well, we so better we shut it down. To shut it down. Stay tuned next week, everyone, for the other Drury brother, Mark, talking about his buck. I'm still working on some big guests for the end of the year it's here. Be a really big shoe. <laughs> well, if it happens, I texted a person about this and they didn't reply. Oh, so. 
I'm working on it. Well, it can't be Angela Lansbury because she she just passed away. God rest her soul. Mm. All right. We better stop talking. Let's let's go on. Lightning strikes us down. I got to get in a stand tonight. Yeah. (laughs) So do you. Trying to. All right. Terry, thank you. Terry, I'm sure you're impressed as always. And proud. Oh, this one was great. Hey, you were the one talk, talking the most. So yes. <laughs> you Good only job. have yourself to blame. So if we get some negative feedback, you'll know not to invite me again. Yeah. Oh, in your dreams. <laughs> Number yeah. one guest. Here's a, a quick little story about Terry. Terry has been probably our number one guest, like as far as the amount of times on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And Tim asked him to be on the podcast the other day. And he asked him if it was audio or video. <laughs> so we're leaving a great impression. <laughs> yep. We've always done both, Terry. <laughs> I didn't know if you were punking me or not when you asked me that. Well, I thought maybe you just wanted to hear what I had to say. No, not particularly. <laughs> We want to see you watch watch out the window. We wanted to see this beautiful the, the service. Well, here we're on a hot spot, but the service issue up at my farm is always a challenge. Yeah. We yeah. wanted to see this awesome background you you got for us. <laughs> nice white Great. wall. Terry's been incarcerated. <laughs> <laughs> it does kind of look like like the lighting and the background. It kind of looks like he's <laughs> they let him out to talk he to us in the special room. Well, they ran to get time. coffee and donuts. They're they're coming back in to finish the <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> All right. Well, good Where luck, you everyone. On the night of the ninth. <laughs> <laughs> it's the October lull, but the deer are still out there. So good luck if you're out there hunting. All right. And cooler cooler temperatures are coming. Everyone be safe. Make sure that they uh, wear those harnesses and have safe lines and all that good stuff. Look at, it's, it's not fun when you fall. Looking ahead at DeerCast, looks like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, depending on where you're at. That's the cold front's hitting. Going to be good. Going to be huge. Huge. Is it run plumb across the states? I, up north? Is it, what's it look like in Wisconsin, Minnesota? I'm not sure I don't care about those areas as much. I'm just really worried about my lease. If you want me to come up to your place, I'll be looking at it too. Drink your milk in a bag. Does it dip? Does it go down into the the deep south? Louisiana? I'm not sure if it goes west to east. I don't know. South? I don't know. Jeez. Alan, you're Mr. Deercast. Which way is the wind blowing? West to East, he it's says. A safe bet. That's where he's running his ads anyways. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> All right. Until next time, we've had enough. See ya. Peace out. Good luck, everybody. See ya. DeerCast is now supercharged with maps. Get ahead of your game with killer new features like live Doppler radar, wind checkout to five days, virtual rain gauges, GPS path tracking, and more. Plus, get our 14-day revolutionary DeerCast prediction and access to DeerCast track. Prep, predict, and pursue with DeerCast.